Here's a whirlwind Amazon selling tour from crowdfunding and listing optimization workshops to strategies for sponsor display ads for sellers. And we finish with a free new PPC audit tool from Helium 10. How cool is that? Pretty cool, I think. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Serious Sellers Podcast by Helium 10. I am your host, Bradley Sutton, and we are back with another episode of Best Of. All right. Now, if you can recall, this is not just the best of the recent Serious Sellers Podcast episode that you guys all loved, but it also includes the AMPM podcast that many of you might not have heard all of the episodes there. And it also includes some of our top recent blogs that we have had. Now, to get started, the word e-commerce consists of just nine letters. All right, I see you guys putting it out in your fingers right now, but anyways, trust me, it's nine letters. But the sheer scope of activities that falls under that umbrella is constantly expanding. Crowdfunding has recently become a new way for Amazon sellers to create the capital necessary to start selling or scale up their businesses. Traditional fundraising most often relies on raising a big chunk of money from one investor at a time. Crowdfunding strategy is to concentrate on raising smaller amounts of money from a large group of individuals. Crowdfunding sites such as Kickstarter, GoFundMe, Indiegogo have been around for a number of years. Most people think that crowdfunders are investing in a company. In most cases, investors are simply pre-purchasing products. In our first episode today on an AMPM podcast titled Why Crowdfunding Might Be the Missing Piece of Your E-Commerce Puzzle, Tim Jordan welcomes crowdfunding expert Kirsten. Kirsten tells us how crowdfunding could help you launch a successful product on Amazon and how it's kind of essentially a marketplace. In this interview specifically, we are going to be talking about Kickstarter and Indiegogo. These are two online websites that act as a marketplace. Okay, so what I mean by that is we just take Kickstarter. Kickstarter started about a decade ago to help people with an idea, validate that idea and kind of launch it to people around the world and see if they can get traction for it. Okay. So today, um, Kickstarter can be used for physical products, which is exactly what we're dealing with today. Uh, you can do it to raise money to finish your film theater production. You could use it for charity. You could use it for really any project that you want to bring to life. In selling on Amazon, we often talk about trying to cast a wide net. Crowdfunding takes advantage of a very big net. The beauty of Kickstarter and Indiegogo is they have this global community that you can tap into. Like Kickstarter alone in the last six months has had about 25 million hits to its website. In the last decade, it's helped fund about $5 billion worth of commerce for its products. So it has huge clout and huge opportunity to get discovered around the globe. And I think a lot of people will see those stats and think, oh, great, all I have to do is just launch my product and poof, I'm off to the races, right? And that's like, that assumption is going to kill you. Um, what you have to know about having a successful launch using Indiegogo or Kickstarter is that you they have an algorithm that helps them 
filter through projects to determine which ones are popular and making money and which ones are users like, and then they're going to push more traffic to those launches. Kirsten is helping Tim with the launch of a new product. As you'll hear, he wasn't entirely clear on what using crowdfunding means. And when you and I first started talking about my project, you were like, hey, Tim, you better have, you know, 25 or 30 grand just in marketing spending, just Facebook ads for the first 60 days. And I was like, holy cow, this is not cheap. So what are some of the other misconceptions that you see uh, people frequently having? Yeah. So big one, assuming Kickstarter is just going to hand you traffic, right? That's a big one. Um, Also misunderstanding why you need to invest the money up front to get that because Kickstarter started as a play to get funding for inventory, but what it really is, is a marketing channel. If you want to be a successful Amazon seller, customers need to see your products. All those stories about Amazon's second page being the best place to hide something, they're true. In the next episode on a serious seller's podcast titled, Get the Latest Listing Optimization Best Practices for 2020, in this mini workshop from Helium 10, our own Karen Thomas first talks about how mining customer reviews helps her determine why a product might stand out. So what I like to do is I actually use our Helium 10 Review Insights and I go through and I look at the top competitors in a product category and I see who's doing well and I go through and I get the review insights downloaded so that I can see what people are saying in their in their reviews. What's the most commonly used phrases? And it will give me a really good idea of why people are using their product and what they're using it for. And so I just start making a list and brainstorm some of these key phrases that I'm seeing. And then I like to call from there, I like to generate my why taglines. And those are just that first little sentence in every single bullet point. I like to have in all caps and that's called my why taglines. And I put them in all caps so they kind of stand out from the the rest of the text on the bullet points. It makes it very easy for people just to quickly skim and see the main point of each bullet point. And I like these Y taglines to be interesting and punchy and easy to read and definitely hit on the why of the product. Of course, customers want hard data in order to make their buying decisions. Still, emotion plays an important role. Karen calls this the Instagram effect. If you can kind of go back and forth, it's using emotion to sell and then justifying with logic, right? So when you're using... For example, like the badges or the dimensions, you're justifying with logic. Those are important pieces of information that people will need to know to make a decision. But we're not just leading with that, right? We start with these really compelling um, emotional type images, and then we're throwing in some other feature or logical images. So it's a good balance of both, and it's really interesting for people to scroll through. So I like to call it the Instagram effect, right? So people want to take their time, look at your images. And it's really going to have a much better result. People are going to love your brand and your products, and they're going to be much more loyal. Now, we have Helium 10's product manager for our ads, PPC tool, Vince, who wrote about how advertising on Amazon is going through big changes at the moment. In his blog post titled, It's Time to Expand the Way You Look at PPC Optimization, Vince says, it's time to shift the way you approach paid advertising on Amazon. 
Most people discuss PPC campaign optimization in the context of one to two week increments, which is the minimum suggested time frame to review data. While there is nothing wrong with this minimum requirement approach, it's important to remember that long-term historical data also plays a critical role in the Amazon PPC optimization. What optimization should you be implementing on a monthly basis? How about on a 60-day or quarterly basis? We're not trying to reinvent the wheel, but merely widen our vision to better understand how the wheel moves the vehicle that is your Amazon business. By including a longer-term perspective, keywords that you thought were working for you week over week may reveal themselves to be hurting you overall. The mindset will ultimately help you too. Eliminate wasteful spend. Identify positive trends you were previously unaware of. Increase sales of specific products. Drastically lower your ACoS, average cost of sale. Think of this as yet another arrow in your PPC quiver. With a longer view of your data, you may discover some issues you didn't notice before. First problem, you aren't getting the same amount of impressions for a keyword. This typically indicates an indexing issue and is a red flag you don't want to go unnoticed. If you are no longer indexing for a keyword, there is a decreased likelihood that keyword will be utilized for PPC. If you are still indexed for a specific keyword, it may indicate other players have entered the space. You'll need to increase your ranking and PPC to help with an increased budget and bid on that keyword. You could also look for search terms connected to that keyword. If you don't see the ones previously connected to that keyword, maybe now's the time to pull out those search terms and target them directly. Second problem, a keyword that was once converting at a low ACoS is now converting at a high ACoS. If the sales have remained relatively the same, but the spend has gone up, then there probably are new search terms added by Amazon that have been linked to the keywords. A longer time view will make it easier to find those search terms and make them negative targets so they aren't driving up your spend. Afterward, that keyword may become affordable again. Third problem, an auto campaign started strong, but spend is now out of control with stagnant sales. Auto campaigns have become increasingly difficult to keep on track over the last year or so. One theory is that there are so many sellers now targeting specific keywords that auto campaigns have begun targeting mostly remnant traffic. The only way to check this is to view your search term results. If looking at a two-week window only, you may find 100 search terms that have spent 50 cents each. No big deal at $50 total, but let's say you looked at the same search terms over 90 days and they still had no sales, spending $50 every two weeks. $300 in spend without sales is now something you'll want to address. Time to start adding some negative keywords to stop the bleeding. Fourth problem. Overall campaign's performance has dropped off. If the issue is not at the search term or keyword level and you have multiple products in a campaign, it's worth checking the longer view data to see if just one or two products have stopped performing or never performed well. If this is the case, it changes the dynamic of the problem. Now you know you're not working with a campaign problem, but a product problem. With this knowledge, you can turn off the products within the campaign or maybe pull them into a different campaign to do further testing. Maybe it's just a color variation that isn't converting. In any case, you want to check the longer term data for any products that are pulling down the results of a campaign. By pausing these products, overall campaign performance will drastically improve. If a doctor was checking your medical history based solely on the last month, would they be able to tell if you were currently healthy? Probably. 
Would they be able to gather a truly accurate view of your health on a comprehensive and accurate level? Absolutely not. Don't get stuck looking at only the last seven days of data. In a week's worth of time, you may have found 10 clicks, one conversion on a keyword, and a 10% ACOS. Things are looking good. Time to increase the bid, right? Well, let's step back and look at 30 days. Now, we may see 100 clicks, two conversions, and an 80% ACOS. Now, you may decide to wait things out. This is hypothetical, but you can see how the story changes depending on your perspective. Looking at only one data set without the other paints an incomplete picture. We want the whole masterpiece. At the end of the day, a broader viewpoint will yield more reliable data and therefore more informed decision making. We are proud to introduce the new PPC audit tool by Helium 10, powered by Helium 10 ads. Here's how it works. Visit helium10.com forward slash Amazon dash PPC dash audit. Two, watch the intro video. Three, upload your 60-day search term report. Ads will instantly scour the data and provide actionable insights based on your specific campaigns. This includes uncovering duplicate keywords, wasteful spending, and bringing to light the metrics in your campaign that are working. Take advantage of this free long-term review of your PPC campaigns to help chart the course more efficiently. When it comes to selling on Amazon, there's nothing that's quite as hot as pay-per-click advertising. Everyone wants to know the answer. E-commerce is constantly changing and sellers are always on the lookout for advertising strategies to help them to adapt and level up their Amazon game. Last month on a serious sellers podcast entitled the latest Amazon PPC advertising strategies, including video and sponsored display ads, I spoke to Destiny, who is one of the leading experts in a field that is changing how sellers advertise on Amazon. What about the basics though? Here's what Destiny says about getting started with PPC. One of the biggest tips I can give is, you know, have a really clean naming structure from the beginning and understand how to kind of work backwards when it comes to budgeting and bids. Start with the really, really simple basics and then work your way up and scale as you collect data. So if I'm a brand new seller, I have, you know, one ASIN. Let's start a campaign and let's separate out by like, you know, just exact match. And let's start really small with the amount of keywords we're targeting. So as an example, I always say if you're only wanting to spend $10 a day, you shouldn't upload a list of 100 keywords because you're not going to be able to collect data across any keyword. It's going to be spread across, you know, a certain amount of keywords. So kind of work backwards on how much you have to spend Look at what your suggested bids are to see kind of how competitive your category is. If it's suggesting you need to spend $3 on a click, you're probably not going to be very profitable from the beginning. So maybe you should focus on some of the long tail keywords that you can do. As with most things having to do with selling on Amazon, it often comes down to keywords and making sure that your listing is fully optimized. Always recommend your backend is in a fantastic place because if your listing's not even indexing, you're going to make the job of PPC 90 times more complex because Amazon's then going to have no data. If you're not indexing on the backend and your listing's not perfectly optimized, it's going to be very hard for you to get the data on the PPC side of things. Finally, the million dollar question. How does Destiny recommend that Amazon sellers launch their products with PPC alone? At its core, we recommend bidding on the keywords that you need to be converting on. So 
as everyone knows, in order to affect your organic ranking, you just need to convert on the correct keywords. So where that goes in terms of strategy, we have seen so many different results depending on the category. Um, I, I don't even like giving any definitive solutions for this because it's so dependent on what else you're doing and how much you have to spend. So if you're a smaller brand trying to launch, I don't recommend bidding on coffin shelf if it's going to be highly competitive and you're not going to be able to afford it. Because what's going to happen is you're going to, you know, maybe drive 10 to 20 clicks and it's going to be too expensive. It's going to be like $100 down the drain and you're going to pause it. So you're not actually going to give the algorithm a chance to see how well you're converting for it because you don't have the data. So if you're a smaller brand, we typically recommend, you know, finding those 10 to 15 keywords that we really think we have a high chance of profitably converting on and going in all in on those keywords to get us to the top of the search. We keep saying that selling on Amazon consists of more than private label. Here's a post written by Helium 10's own Chuck that speaks to the growing importance of wholesaling on Amazon. In a blog post titled, How to Jumpstart Your Approach to Selling Wholesale on Amazon, Chuck says that selling wholesale on Amazon is a profitable opportunity, but there are several intricacies you need to know before finding success. The Amazon wholesale model has increasingly become a popular way to navigate the sometimes tricky e-commerce waters. It's 2020 and there's much in the world that feels uncertain. The coronavirus pandemic has shouldered itself into pretty much every conversation these days. With the possible exception of nature's regeneration during our time inside, the only real positive seems to have come out of this challenging time is the explosion of e-commerce and the Amazon marketplace. Now, Amazon sales are skyrocketing, and according to data compiled by Bloomberg, there's been a 129% year-over-year growth in U.S. and Canadian e-commerce orders as of April 21st, 2020. Now, during that same time, Shopify grew by 47% to $470 million from the same quarter a year ago. While the vast majority of the conversation surrounding e-commerce centers around selling a private label product using Amazon FBA or fulfillment by Amazon model, there's a lot more to selling on Amazon than just creating another Amazon FBA business. In addition to selling private label goods, Amazon sellers can take advantage of retail arbitrage, online arbitrage, and even drop shipping. And finally, there are an increasing number of sellers looking at the Amazon wholesale business. Now, what is wholesaling? Wholesaling is simply purchasing products directly from a manufacturer or company. In most cases, you'll receive a significant discount off of the retail price and you will be buying in bulk orders directly from the brand owner. Why should you be a wholesale seller? You can repeatedly sell the same wholesale products. Once you've established a relationship with the supplier, you can continue selling that item as long as there are buyers. You can buy as many products as you can afford. It's up to you how big you want to go. Have a pile of money? you'll definitely be able to scale more quickly or make more incremental changes. You're also selling products with a proven track record and representing products and brands that already exist in the marketplace. Not only is there data indicating how well that item is sold in the past, but you also won't have to create new listings and work to get them to rank on Amazon. And finally, you'll be in a position to establish strong relationships with manufacturers, brand owners, and distributors. How does selling wholesale on Amazon work? Now, here's the good news. If you're currently selling with FBA, you probably already have a clear understanding of the principal steps necessary to sell wholesale. The process you'll use to initially set up your Amazon wholesale account is the same. Set up your seller account, find a high demand product, source your product, create an optimized listing, launch and promote your product, 
and finally managing and growing your business. Your private label skills can help make you a better wholesaling star. It's hard to have a casual conversation with a group of people without at least one of them familiar with the idea of making money using Amazon FBA model and selling private label products. Now, there's a significant percentage of those Amazon sellers who are using the skills they develop in the private label arena to carve out a third way to make money in e-commerce. There are a lot of brand owners that just aren't familiar with the Amazon selling platform or because of the huge growth that e-commerce has seen. Companies are simply expanding too fast to manage all their wholesale operations. Whatever the reason, the explosive growth of e-commerce has helped contribute to a third rail wholesaling model. Sellers that are actively managing the wholesale operations for established worldwide brands. Amazon sellers have a pretty good idea of what private label selling looks like. If you're new to Amazon, private label Amazon sellers come up with their own product to sell on Amazon, create their own product listings, and in most instances, establish a brand around them. Wholesalers purchase existing branded products. The wholesaling model lends itself to rapid growth. Scalability is the name of the game in e-commerce. By developing standard operating procedures, sellers can more easily expand their businesses by doubling or tripling the recipe. An Amazon seller might get into e-commerce because they're tired of working 60-hour work weeks to, just to survive. With this model, as you grow, you become more efficient through effective outsourcing techniques and build income as you add new products. To do that, sellers need to operate their businesses more professionally. With retail arbitrage, sellers are taking advantage of soft spots in the marketplace. They're looking to make a fast buck. With wholesale, they're building a business. You'll be able to use Amazon's Fulfilled by Amazon service. That way you can leverage the multi-channel fulfillment option. Amazon's multi-channel fulfillment option, MCF, helps you grow your business by giving you access to Amazon's world-class fulfillment network, operational expertise, and trusted shipping options for all your orders from wherever they're placed, both on Amazon.com and other sales channels. Whether you sell your products from your home, through stores, or through your Amazon seller account, you'll need to register as a business and obtain a wholesale business license. Laws may vary depending on where you live and the nature of your business, so contact the IRS to inquire about what licenses you need to legally operate your wholesale business. Amazon's two seller portals, Seller Central and Vendor Central, share many of the same attributes. However, for some time now, there were a few special Vendor Central benefits that had always intrigued sellers. Now, Amazon's sponsored display is finally available for sellers. After two years of only being available to vendors through the AMS ad console, third-party sellers can now take advantage of the great placements directly below the buy box. The next blog post titled, How to Take Advantage of Amazon's New Sponsored Display Beta Campaign Type, was written by our guest writer, Destiny. Destiny says that it's time to properly take advantage of that valuable real estate below the buy box. What's so cool about this ad type? the placements, and the control. Unlike any other self-serve ad type, sponsored display ads, one, allow us to target ASINs with an ad directly below the buy box. Two, allow us to run ads that can be shown off platform, which is a great way to dip your toes into DSP. And three, allow us to run a true remarketing strategy by serving ads to our past purchasers. Utilize the data you have from sponsored products. If you pull your search term report, you will see ASINs that you have already converted on from auto campaigns. 
pull the top converting ASINs and upload them into a sponsored display product targeting campaign in order to gain even better product targeting placement. Pro tip, run product targeting in sponsored products and sponsored brands for data collection. You can then move your top converting ASINs from those campaigns over to sponsored display for better placements. Run category targeting to get more brand awareness and to gain more coverage across your category. This campaign type is still CPC based, so you can always lower your bid if performance is not ideal. To improve the targeting slash performance of your category targeting, use the refine feature to make sure you are only targeting brands and products in which you have a competitive advantage over. We create multiple category targeting campaigns that each focus on an individual competitive advantage, like price point or review count. Reporting for sponsored display is close to non-existent, so we don't recommend uploading a list of 100 ASINs to target at once. We recommend launching sponsored display campaigns with smaller groups of targeting in order to maintain better control over the bids and budgets for that specific list of ASINs. We have found that running sponsored display purchases does really well on consumable items and items with a high repurchase rate. This ad type typically does not do well on high-priced items that are typically only purchased once. Run sponsored display product targeting against your own ASINs to protect the placements under your own buy box, as well as to increase basket quantity and brand awareness. Pro tip, run sponsored display product targeting against your own ASINs, specifically when you have lightning deals running in order to take advantage of the increased traffic. Run sponsored display product targeting on all of the top ranking ASINs for the high volume search terms you want to rank organically for. This will allow you to piggyback off your top competitors' organic ranking traffic. Pro tip, run sponsored display campaigns specifically for your listings that you are running coupons on. The coupon badge populates in your sponsored display ad and can increase CTR, as well as increase your competitive advantage. If you're having issues with the performance of your sponsored display views or searches campaigns, remember the consumer funnel. These targeting types are typically fantastic for driving brand awareness, but not necessarily driving a high number of profitable conversions. We recommend running them at low bids and budgets and then scaling as needed. During increased buying periods like Prime Week and the holiday season, sponsored display campaigns do incredible. A lot of shoppers are window shopping, so having sponsored display campaigns show up directly under a competitor's buy box is a great way to increase market share and dominate a category. At its core, sponsored display is still a PPC model campaign type. So if you are struggling with performance, adjust your bid and check out your targeting. Here's a success story of an entrepreneur that reads like a Hollywood movie. At first glance, it doesn't seem like a gritty e-commerce journey. Looking closer though, there's a healthy mix of both glamour and grit. In this episode from the AMPM podcast entitled From Desperate to Mogul, Marcus Whitney shares his secret on how to rise to the top. Tim Jordan welcomed Marcus to show that it doesn't necessarily have to be one or the other. Marcus tells this story of watching the dot-com area explode. I was just thinking, man, what can I do? I don't know anybody in this town. I don't have any credentials. I don't have a college degree. What can I do? Um, and it was the year 2000. 
And so what was sort of the big storyline in the year 2000, um, other than Y2K, uh, the dot-com boom was the big storyline. And I don't know if, if a lot of your listeners remember, but when the dot-com boom was happening, there was this, uh, this picture of these high school kids riding around in these really swanky offices on skateboards, you know, getting paid, you know, 70, 80, 90, $100,000 a year to program websites. Okay. That was like sort of the, you know, the, the meme, if you will, at the time about the dot-com boom. And I just saw that as, Hey, these kids don't have college degrees and they're able to do that. I, you know, that means I ought to be able to do that if I can figure out how to code. When it came time for Marcus to build his business, he concentrated on core concepts. Starting at the top, the most important is, is leadership. Leadership is the most important concept of every, every business. No question. Bottom line. Second is finance. Uh, the number of people who start a business and don't understand the finance aspect of a business is unbelievable. Okay. And like, if you don't understand the finance, you're going to be out of business very quickly. All right. Uh, and we, we can, we can, I'm happy to sort of dig into that, especially with, with e-commerce, uh, businesses, goodness gracious. Uh, third is operations. Um, so you, you've got to understand what business operations are all about. Fourth is an interesting one. Uh, it's a bucket that, that I, I was trying to figure out where all this other stuff fit. Uh, and it's, it's, uh, it's growth. Um, growth as, a, as an internal concept. Um, because growth takes on many different characteristics. There's the, the maturity aspect of growth. There's the growth in terms of making, making more revenue. Um, growth is, is a key component. If you're not growing, you're dying. Ultimately, the sales process is a form of promise between the sellers and their customers. This is where you make the company's promise to the customer real, right? The, the customer is going to give you money. Why are they giving you money? Because they believe the amount of money they're giving you is worth exchanging for some value you're going to give them, right? And they, it's a promise. And so whatever you give them in exchange for that money needs to be predictable. You ever heard the meet yep. and exceeds expectations part? This is where product comes in, right? Your product needs to meet or exceed the expectations of the customer in terms of what they are exchanging the money for, okay? And it is the unit in your economic model upon which you're going to build everything else. Buyers need to know about your product. That's where marketing comes in. So marketing brings it all together. Marketing has to understand everything that came before it and communicate it out to the market in a way that will bring customers along the customer journey, right? From people who have the problem but didn't know there was a solution, make them aware, get them interested, get them to want to dig in more, and then drive them into the sales funnel for real right? Uh, that's what marketing is. And, and uh, I think it's 2020. We shouldn't have to explain to anybody wh why marketing is absolutely critical. Uh, you know, we're all in a war for each other's attention, right? And so we have to spend time doing it. Um, it absolutely is not the same thing as sales. If you're depending on it to be your, to, to drive the revenue, you're, you're misguided. Um, but it is what is how you generate demand. Fittingly, last up is a story about Amazon sellers. A year and 121 episodes ago, I welcomed three new Amazon sellers onto this podcast to tell their e-commerce stories. In a serious sellers podcast entitled, 
What a Difference a Year Makes, a report detailing a beginner's life selling on Amazon, I visited again with these three sellers from a year ago and welcomed three brand new sellers to the podcast. I first spoke with Adriana, who a year ago was on the verge of launching her first product. At the time, you were working full-time at like some kind of office job, right? Yes, correct. Mm-hmm. And is that still the case? Uh, no, I, I, it actually, um, that job just ended, uh, yeah, in April, basically. So this is my first, uh, <laughs> my first month doing FBA full-time. Okay, so now FBA is your full-time business. But are you making enough to support yourself or still not yet? Just, just yes, from your Amazon actually- business? Yes, actually, just recently, and um, I mean, funny thing is that I was—I uh, mean, I was ready to. Yeah, I guess I, I was looking forward to do FBA full time, and then coronavirus hit. Okay, a year ago, neither of us could have predicted the COVID pandemic, but it's an important part of learning to be able to look back and consider the mistakes that we've made. Here's Simon speaking about the lessons he's learned in the last year. Biggest regret. I would say is going into a niche that is very competitive and trying to create like a whole new product category. I mean, just for for me, at least, um, that was a challenging one and also expensive. Um, Biggest lesson learned, I think, biggest outcome is just getting really becoming more effective at copywriting and email marketing. Anto is a new seller who's jumped into Amazon after her primary business was damaged by the pandemic. She's made effective use of Helium 10's tools in tackling her new Amazon business. I just played around with the weight of the product, with the everything, everything. And I came like, and now I have the design and I have the way to package it. So it lowers my cost on the fees. That's a first. That. And then you have to improve what everybody else is selling. So I went through, I think, 3,000 reviews with Helium 10, obviously, <laughs> with the analyzer. And uh, yeah, I, I made my product better. I give okay. to people what they want to have. Noemi took advantage of the power of Instagram audiences to create a network that she could market to. But how does she build these niche-specific audiences? Patience, I guess, patience. So I've been building these accounts for the past two, three years um, without being necessarily paid for anything what I'm doing. Yes, of course, I did like some kind of deals and then like it, it made a bit of money, but it's, it's not like everyone is saying, I'm going to teach you how to make 1K per month with Instagram and all those kind of stuff. No, this is what's really strategy. And what I find so far that helped the accounts grow as much is, uh, I know it sounds cheesy, but offering value. Offering value, that's a good place to start for any Amazon seller. Well, that's all we have for you today. Most of these, again, came from right here on the Serious Sellers Podcast, so if you're not already subscribing on the platform that you're listening on, make sure to hit subscribe. We also had excerpts from the AMPM Podcast. You can subscribe on any streaming platform as well for the AMPM Podcast or go to ampmpodcast.com. Finally, we gave you some blogs from helium10.com forward slash blog. We want to keep you guys updated with the latest and greatest information that is pertinent for Amazon sellers to know. So make sure to subscribe to all three of these to keep up to date. And we'd love to know which ones are your favorite episodes. Don't forget to send me a message on my Instagram account. You can find me at 
H10Bradley. No spaces. H10BRADLEY. We'll catch you guys on the next episode.